0: Hello, everybody. Uh, today is Wednesday, June 6th, and we're bringing you Block Digest number 104 at Block Height 526,314. Before we uh, get going with the introductions, we have something technical to talk about, not political, not regulatory. Woo! But uh, I, I, I guess the uh, the strange animal that came in last time was JW, so everybody wants to say hi to him. You want to say hi to everybody else?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, just working on some fleas here, but otherwise doing good.
0: <laughs> and Aknex is back with us again. He's a little under the weather last time, but I uh, guess he's uh, recovered pretty quickly. Hey, guys. What's, uh, what's going on? And Nopara joining us yet again from another public setting.
2: Hi, guys. this is going? Boom!
0: Right. And sadly, uh, Rick is also under the weather, and Janine uh, got stranded somewhere, so sadly it's just going to be the four of us today. But uh, yeah, I guess everybody ready to dive into the first story? Yeah. Take that as a affirmative.
1: I'm, I'm interested, but I wouldn't say I'm ready, because I didn't do my job today in prep, so this is all exciting and new to me.
0: All right, well, you can just listen to me ramble. So um, this has me incredibly excited, but also a little bit sad inside. Um, Blue Matt has proposed a uh, a pair of mining protocols to replace stratum. And after looking at this, uh, this idea is awesome, but I'm sad to say, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I love Belker and, and the guy has like contributed a lot of shit to this space that I think goes underappreciated. But seeing this proposal from Matt, I honestly don't really see the point in trying to build out uh, Belker's P2 pool idea, optimizing payouts um, with the uh, the lightning hub and spoke model. Unless you just really are that adamant about having zero counterparty risk as a miner, so um, pretty much uh, what Matt is doing here with his Better Hash proposal, um, m- most of this proposal is pretty much just the actual um, you know message spec for the protocol. So we're just going to be looking at the uh, first like couple paragraphs, but um, pretty much looking at at Stratum, which has pretty much been the mining protocol used by pools uh, since pools were invented, has a couple of issues. Um, One one of them is really kind of, uh, in my opinion, not that important, but um, when uh, a pool is kind of interacting with Bitcoin to generate uh, block templates, Uh, Kind of the way that core is engineered and pool software is engineered, there's a little bit of a higher latency introduced um, as far as generating new templates, and this would kind of address that. But really the the biggest jump, in my opinion, is it's taking the the protocol for actually distributing work that, that miners hash on. and Tracking shares for a pool to manage the uh, payouts after the the Coinbase pays out to the pool and separating them into two uh, different protocols that can operate independently. And so if widely deployed, what this would allow is your hashing equipment to be mining a Coinbase transaction that still pays out to a centralized pool still track shares for the miners so that the pool can divvy things up among the individual hashers, but would allow the actual work and block templates that a piece of mining equipment is working on to come from somewhere else other than the pool. And so this kind of deals with the biggest problem with Stratum and the way pools are operated right now, which is pretty much that the pool has total control over the block template. Like they they are generating that, they are deciding what transactions go into that. And this has a very like centralizing effect on the mining ecosystem because you know there, there's not really that many pools out there. And you know, the, the notion that uh, somebody running an actual piece of mining equipment is constantly watching the network to see what their pool is doing, like are they Doing anything nefarious, are they censoring transactions, is kind of ridiculous. And so, with this protocol, you would be able to generate work yourself. So, effectively, hook this into your own node, generate your own block templates, and do the transaction selection yourself. It would let you grab work from somewhere other than the pool. So for instance, this would allow anybody to effectively set up a work server that is literally doing nothing but generating block templates and sending them to miners who could then get Coinbase information from the pool to be able to pay out to the appropriate place. And it would still also allow like the, the work and the templates to be generated by the pool itself, but like it's broken up pretty much into just a spectrum of options where you can go like right now, how things are working, you can be completely dependent on the pool itself. You can trust somebody other than the pool or just directly generate the work yourself. And it also comes with a, uh, a couple optimizations to kind of get the most out of like what actual value pools uh, provide right now. For instance, there is a, uh, in the spec a design for using weak blocks so that effectively hitting something um in the difficulty uh for the header that is like greater than a normal share but still an invalid block could be propagated to the the pool and then from that point you could simply kind of diff that using compact blocks and just send the the header the bloom filter and be able to get the like current block you're working on to the pool much quicker. So that in the uh, case of you finding a valid block, you would simply send the compact block with the appropriate header. And then the pool would be able to ensure as fast propagation as possible through something like fiber or peering directly with other miners so that you can still kind of get the the relay benefits that that pools provide while still handling the template generation and the transaction generation yourself, and I mean, like, like this is seriously fucking awesome. Like, like um, Matt was—he uh, was actually just recently on Jimmy Song's show off the chain talking about this. And like, if this design was kind of widely set up, you could literally have every single miner on the network mining to a single pool. And the only risk that presents is that pool ripping all of the miners off for like a day or or whatever the the payout period of the pool is, because each individual hasher, like whether they're at home or a farm, could be using their own node or a node not run by the pool to do transaction selection. And so that like this, this, this just pretty much if widely deployed, and used in a distributed enough way completely removes the ability of pools to do things malicious. Like they could not go back and have you working on, um, like earlier blocks building on earlier parts of the chain. They couldn't attempt to do reorgs with other people's hash power. They couldn't prevent you from including a transaction they want to censor. And I mean, like uh, obviously this is, it's gonna take some work to really get out there and get widely deployed, but like the, this is seriously one of the most encouraging developments in the mining ecosystem I've seen since GMO and how long like really started getting into hardware manufacturing. Like the, this is, like as far as like mining centralization, there are a whole slew of issues, but the two biggest ones in my opinion are manufacturing and then the transaction selection. And so now we can see you know developers working on things just you know the the free market doing its thing on the manufacturing side all of these problems are really starting to work themselves out like that this isn't just a a cross your fingers and hope jihan doesn't have a bad day like there are actual substantial solutions to these problems being built and so like
1: yay totally awesome Yeah. Has anybody, uh, am I the first person to notice that like Matt seems to be what uh, Vitalik pretends to be? Like he's actually somebody that was like, I don't know, like a teenager, I think still when he was uh, working on Bitcoin and he's produced all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, He's even produced some ideas that he thought were bad ideas, like what uh paul stork calls drive chains that were good enough to be stolen from scammers and run around with i mean that that's pretty good that's a pretty good endorsement of your ability like you abandon an idea because it's not that great but uh it's good enough to other people pick it up and run with it and try to try to raise money on it so i i think the guy's a freaking badass um, and this is very cool stuff and it's useful like it actually solves a real problem
2: Yeah, Matt Matt is a wonderful person. I have some questions to Shinobi. Uh, Shinobi, have you ever heard of Satoshi Nakamoto?
0: No, who's that? I I, I don't know who you're talking about.
2: He's a Japanese guy living in Germany and he created cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. And he was the first miner who was constantly 51% in the, the network. Okay, next question. Have you ever sounds heard like of art? <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> yes,
2: he, he he probably was. <laughs> he, he, he just changed the word, never mind. Have, have you ever heard of art for
0: Hard forks? What, what are those?
2: Artford was also when the GPUs came in, he he had more than 60% of the network hash rate. And he was the guy, at least that's how was described him, that the the second guy after Satoshi, who if you have some Bitcoin questions, you go to to ArtFords. So so he was someone who who had a lot of hash rate. Okay, next question. G hash IO. Have you heard of G hash Io?
0: I remember G hash.
2: <laughs> okay, so G hash IO came very close to to fifty percent actually now. Was it thirty percent or forty percent? Never mind. Came close to fifty no, th- percent. I think they
0: actually they topped over it for a little bit.
2: No, I I don't think so. Actually, But yeah, whatever. The, my point is that where is Satoshi now?
0: He's crying because he isn't completely in charge of the mining
2: network. <laughs> so so <laughs> so where is Art now? Absolutely knows. no clue. And where is G.S. IO now? Out of business. Okay. So, have you ever heard of Jihan
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, isn't he the guy who's uh, going out of business? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but two years from now, we can ask this question. <laughs> Maybe four. Hopefully. The guy who's attacking altcoins by creating ASIC miners even before the altcoin launches. That's that's mm-hmm. how he's gonna be known. But hopefully hopefully this can completely disintermediate him and and that will be a wonderful wonderful thing to Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I think in a story coming up, we're going to see things aren't looking too good for him. But I mean, like, ah, to, to kind of go back to, like, what uh, JW, like, said about Blue Matt, though, it's like, th- this is how you, you can tell the difference between somebody who's full of shit or not. Are they actually putting out code? are they actually putting out specced proposals? I mean, like, you know, Blue Matt, like he's like shit. Like he helped literally keep Bitcoin J running back in the day, which is the library most of the SPV wallets out there use. He is like one of the central people behind compact blocks ended up developing the initial relay network, which evolved into fiber. He's working on a new lightning implementation in Rust that he's specifically like trying to modularize so that it's like you can incorporate it into any other wallet in other languages. Like now he's dropping this better hash protocol, which is yet again, a huge optimization for the mining ecosystem. Like his entire existence in this space is just a line of actual shit being built that has concrete effects you can observe, versus Vitalik um, his quantum computing scam, uh, his endless ramblings on <laughs> proof of stake and sharding, and uh, you know for for those of you guys who read Stop and Decrypt's, um breakdowns of a lot of stuff. I think there's gonna be a another one coming out, but it's like you know Vitalik. He, he's done nothing but drop out a completely broken network that is constantly running into failures and gigantic issues versus somebody like Matt, who has consistently built and deployed things that actually work and actually show results you can observe. Like, it, it, this isn't a popularity contest and you shouldn't be gauging somebody's reputation based on twitter followers like go look what they've actually built what they've actually deployed what actually works rant over okay
1: and it's not i mean just to clarify it's not just that he was writing code or publishing specs he's like this is a real problem it's a real technical problem and he's making progress on it right he's not like writing about proof of stake that's been dismissed years ago or drive chains that has like huge security flaws in it that he's ignoring this is a real problem and he's making real progress on it
2: so that's great i mean vitalik was never a programmer you know he he can he can shit together some python scripts or something like that but he was never a programmer. He was just too young when he got into all these things. And you know, 15 years old guy is, if he's not coding the next 10 years, uh, eight hours a day, he's not gonna be a programmer. So the, he has limitations, you know. The, but Matt, Matt was coding a lot, and now he grew up and. Here, here he is. You know, he. It's a marathon, not a not a popularity context. So you sell yourself as a genius, and you know, someone is going to create shit, and uh, you're just going to learn how to talk and tweet. It's, it's it's useful, but maybe you have to first create shit. I think.
1: Yeah, it's the difference between being good at PR and actually being
2: able to solve real problems. No, Andreas is is, is someone who I cannot decide uh, because he he doesn't look like a competent developer, but I don't know what what do you think about uh, Andreas's technical expertise yeah
1: gosh i I didn't uh i i didn't say andreas you just changed the subject to that just for the record but (laughs) i don't know man uh i i uh,
2: so similar to vitalik you know
1: well i mean i i think there's there's some differences with him at least uh one is that he's as far as i know he's not although again like i'm i'm new i don't know the whole history but it seems like he's not selling a, a crap coin like my definition of a functional scammer is somebody that like Persists in a technical error that puts money in their pocket. I'm not sure that, uh, that that's going on with with him. Uh, I did, you know, I did tweet out today a quote from him that just totally made me throw up in my mouth, which was something about, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if if you like Bitcoin Cash or Ethereum or Bitcoin, just build something. Um, and that, and you know, we should put our petty differences aside. That that really pisses me off because somebody that's trying to push a security flaw into Bitcoin which is possibly our only chance as a civilization at ever getting secure money that's not a petty difference let like that's it's hard to think of anything that's more important than that right now at this point in history so you know he does say stuff that pisses me off on occasion but um, but I don't I don't know I mean I, I don't know that he's getting paid for uh, selling a scam the way vitalik is
0: see vitalik and in and Andreas are two totally different like things and 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 real quick let's let's try not to like linger at this for like maybe more than 10 minutes but like you know vitalik is just out there actually trying to sell something completely broken and he sells this by like trying to craft that image of boy genius like he he just throws out Ridiculous buzzwords and tries to overload non technical people into just a mindset of, oh, Vitalik is a genius. He said this. So that means it's true. Whereas Andreas and like his entire like niche and like income in this space is dependent on breaking down concepts so that the non technical people can at least try to start like assessing things for themselves and like you know as far as that just build things tweet like that's the perfect example of it like he's trying to put in that into those non-technical people's mind the notion of stop looking at like fancy word salad stop looking at somebody's social reputation like look at what is actually being built
1: no 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 no. i'm not i'm not going for that one man like you were you were so generous with guys like fluffy pony and all these folks and i appreciate that about you but that is not what he was saying in that context what he was saying uh like when you say put aside petty differences like I'll, I'll bring up the exact quote you're 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 making it sound like this is not an issue that was worth fighting about and it was absolutely an issue worth fighting about so i feel like that's very milk toast at most or at least right and flat out like pandering to uh to these factions of people that have a lot of money On the bitcoin cash side and the ethereum side right but it's not
0: it's telling them put their time and work where their mouth is all right well i mean if you want to interpret it that
1: way you can i think it's up on youtube uh it was the um i was watching his internet of money five-year thing up on the stage and all that so it's probably Ten minutes before the end, uh, if anybody's curious uh, about where that quote came from. But now nah, I, I think you're, I think you're really stretching uh, as much as you stretch with fluffy pony, for what it's worth. No,
0: I I was there live for the whole thing. I, I heckled him a few times. <laughs> I think he's very much just trying to get people to appreciate. If you're not actually building something, then your words are not worth shit. And I mean that that's what.
1: but But that's not your average person. person needs that's not no it's not that's not helpful at all right like whether i'm writing bitcoin code or not um i still can explain that having really big blocks is a bad idea and would cause major problems right that's something that is worth understanding and if we didn't understand that um or if you guys you know didn't understand that and rolled over um we wouldn't have bitcoin right now so I think that's a that's a pretty pathetic heuristic, like, oh, just, you know, just shut up and build. No, no, you got to build the right thing and you got to understand what the issues are. You got to figure out who the experts are you can trust and who's trying to scam you. You got to figure out what projects are legit and what are Vitalik and Roger running around spouting nonsense. Like all of that is really, really important um, and arguably more important than what you build. Yeah, no, but that's
0: the, the, the point is you build it and then... It works or it doesn't. Like, there is no hiding that result. You so filter it. What happens, happens.
1: Your pathetic uh, response to this just pisses me off enough to where I'll. I'll it's not really, pathetic, JW.
0: Like, it, like, it makes you, me you want to get, get
1: real, way more hardline about this and be like, you look, you
0: constantly look at anybody who is not approaching social engagement exactly like you as a malicious actor. People have different mentalities, they have different personalities, they have different ways of gauging information.
2: Yes, I just wanted to say that. uh, Why you cannot see the parallel between Andreas and Vitalik is, I just realized this because you you think about Andreas as a good actor and you like him, and you think about Vitalik as a bad actor and you don't like him, but I think Vitalik is not, not, he's not full of shit, you know. He has very smart things to say. And I often find myself liking it. But what what's the difference between Andras and Vitalik? They, they are both, they both have decent uh, technical uh, understanding of stuff. But not an expert level, uh, but decent, you know. But they both put a lot of effort into a uh, social engineering for the lack of a better word you know how to build uh, how to build their image and how to talk and 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 where the difference is that andreas is is more is not taking risks so think about the debate andreas just refused to go into the the block size debate for for years because he didn't feel like the the space is the risk de enough to to jump in. So and maybe that's why you find him more more likable. But I, I like actually both Vitalik, yes, I like Vitalik and Andreas. It just uh, you know you can you can you can notice stuff and uh, Yeah, my point was that this is where the miscommunications come from. The
0: the difference is, like, Vitalik is is doing this directly to push his own project. Andreas is doing this just to get people into this space thinking critically with an open mind, actually looking at things that are proposed and not just going into a blind read. Every time that somebody says something that contradicts what their like oracle or source of information is.
2: Yeah, because the unfortunate uh, effect of having a lot of uh, followers, you know, that they are speaking for you, and even if you 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 say something something stupid, I seem some I say stupid things all the time, but. Uh, I'm lucky because not a lot of people for their stupid things that I say, you know. So but but when he says something, he's mistaken, something that a lot of people is gonna upvote it and visibility and shit like that. Yeah. You know, this this is just the chain of reaction there.
1: I, I kind of feel like what you're saying, Nampara, is that um they're both politicians and uh they're both more than happy to sell out um, for followers. Because if you're telling me, like, I didn't know this, but if you're telling me that Andreas sat on the fence during the whole block size debate, it's hard for me to believe that he's not technically competent enough to know that it would have been really dangerous to increase the block size. So if I didn't know him, if it was anybody else, and he just told me there was this guy that has a ton of followers and influence, and he sat on the sidelines while we almost included a massive security flaw. I would say that's as evil as it gets, right? Like I don't care if he's good at PR and played it out well, but um, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know what else to say about it other than that. Really you know, it
2: wasn't here. that obvious for for half a year or something. I mean, there were so many information and discussion that the Bitcoin developers were not on a did not come to a con consensus on it so yeah like half a year or something but then developers came to consensus and and people i don't know most of them are followed the consensus and listen to the arguments i mean because it was a discussion there were a lot of uh, things what we didn't know what we were just figuring out why the block size debate was happening now we figured out everything but but so
1: so let me ask you this are you saying that he was being intellectually dishonest or that he was just exploring because i'm not i don't fault anybody for not knowing the answer to something and it taken a while jw i used to support
0: a block size raise i supported bitcoin xt jameson lops supported bitcoin xt eric lombroso supported a block size increase like this they, back then things were absolutely Nowhere near as clear as they are today. I know I'm just not asking
1: no para his opinion because I mean the way he the way He said it a minute ago. I was like, holy Nike's This guy really is a, uh, a Sneaky bastard, but now it sounds like we're just saying no, that's not really the history and I'm learning real-time, right? I don't know what the hell was going on back then,
2: but so I would not call it intellectually dishonest. I would call it a smart strategy, you know, you don't want to lose followers no, He's no, not no, no, sure man. what's going to happen, well, so it's best that's... Thing to try <laughs> to stay away from controversies. That's not,
1: like if that—that's—it's not—it's uh, not okay to play the crowd to get love in you know and make people suffer for it right that's not okay so that's why i'm saying like do you think that he was actually just unsure what the right thing to do was or do you think he knew the right thing to do and kept silent because he wasn't sure what was going to serve him best because that's what politicians do right that's trump and everybody else they 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 have an idea of what's right but they wait for the polls to come in and figure out what's popular before they open their mouth so that's why i'm saying is was he just exploring and uncertain, which I have a, a ton of respect for, or are you saying that he knew what was going on, but he's a greasy politician? Because uh, really, you can't have it both ways.
2: I think he refused to come to a conclusion in 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 himself. You know, he just wanted to wait until it plays out. But it happens with a lot of things, actually, like the. Oh my God, like the whole blockchain is the, the new thing. You Narrative know, was started by Andreas in 2013, 14. You know, he started this whole thing and then. Blockchain, not Bitcoin? Andreas started that? Exactly. I, I think Shinobi, do you, do you feel like that? He started this? No, I
0: don't think he started that at all. I do so very much every,
2: think he's a
0: supporter of like lots of different token projects and cryptocurrencies though.
2: Back back then, in every talk, I, I know because I was listening to him all the time. I mean, I went to a gym, walking on a treadmill, listening Andreas every day, <laughs> shit like that. Five times a video, five times a... <laughs> So, So my, my point is that uh, that what was said in every talk of him, well, if Bitcoin doesn't succeed, cryptocurrencies are going to succeed. But if cryptocurrencies won't succeed, then the the underlying technology, the blockchain, that's going to revolutionize the world. And back then, this was uh, quite a fair thing to think about, because you know we really had no idea if it was going to succeed or not. We just had so many questions and unanswered, and no one was using it. It's, doesn't even work properly. Uh, anyway, uh, the point is that I think he started this narrative, then he stopped it, and now he he turned it backwards because people just, just.
1: Uh, OK, well, l- l- OK, so the history yeah, is it's,
2: it was a trigger reaction. Yeah, so it's,
1: I could. I, I, could I, I don't name it for it, but yeah.
2: I think that's what happened.
1: So what what's going on right now? Like is, I don't I don't know what his current stance is. Has he come out hard and said like Bcash is a scam or that Ethereum is a scam? Uh, because I, I don't know about the past, but I know right now those two things could not be more
2: blatantly on.
1: But see, JW,
0: I disagree with you there. Like if Bcash was not doing this deceptive marketing, that's that's part of the definition of a scam, dude. But again, it's not inherently a scam. I didn't didn't say,
1: is is he coming out and saying it's inherently a scam? I said, it's obviously a scam. We all know it's a scam. Is he coming out and warning people and saying, don't invest in this scam? If the answer is no, then in real time, I can be judgmental about it. But I'm not going to say anything about the past because I don't know.
2: He's very, very strongly implying it in a lot of talks of him that... uh, that what's the right direction. So it's obvious what he's talking about, but he's he's, he's taking an approach that tries to not hurt the feelings of everyone. So completely different approach than this show. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I, I but, yeah, that's not, that to me is really scammy, right? That is that is right on the bleeding edge of being a functional scammer because you do get money put in your pocket by not offending people when you get paid by going around and giving talks. And if you're not willing, if you're like a, a, a thought leader or something, right? If you have an audience and you're not warning people to stay, to not fall off the edge of that cliff, then I think you're a bad guy. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say... For sure that's how i feel about it but uh but i mean jw from you guys that i didn't didn't have before that's making me really uh not comfortable with that that's kind um, of
0: ridiculous i mean if if you if everybody
1: in the world
0: that that sees bcash is not a scalable thing just runs around going it's a scam these people are retards you know what's going to happen you're going to wind up on a block list like me for thousands of people you've never interacted with, and you will not even be able to offer any counter. <laughs> you will not be able to engage with their bullshit. You will be completely firewalled out of it. And okay. if you want so to reach people, you need, people, you need t- people to be receptive.
1: Maybe and we not every good, milk toast politicians that are not being clear about the issues so that they can build an audience. All right. I mean, you can have that opinion if that's what you're going to argue for. I'm not going to even try to interact with that. So uh, I guess we can move on to the next topic. That's not my question.:
2: okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, short glance over another BIP. Uh, Vlad just posted a BIP to change the um, address uh, structure in the uh, Bitcoin peer-to-peer protocol to support um, new extended addresses in Tor. So that, uh, you know, stronger encryption, um, which would also allow support for I2P, which has had, um, you know, a lot longer address format from the beginning. And there, this is pretty much being proposed in in an extensible way to try to allow like other uh, mesh networks or other like physical transport layers to be able to directly share, share Peer addresses through the uh, Bitcoin peer to peer protocol. And, you know, it might not seem super glamorous or anything, but like I think this is a very important thing going forward, especially if you start considering really in the long term, you know, things like mesh networks or radio relay networks. Like this is, you know, the kind of stuff you need to do to actually. You know, have the ability to integrate things like that in a painless manner instead of every time some new thing comes up, like you have to pull everything aside, like go through, figure out how you're going to shoehorn everything. in. And I mean, it might not seem like too big of a change, but this is like the little shit that adds up. Like this is why the people working on Bitcoin are working on it. It's not just... The block size or malleability, or whatever the community is screaming about. Like, there are a million different engineering concerns that need to be taken into account to really make this work at a large scale. And, you know, <laughs> there's a reason people like Vlad are there.
1: All right. I'm sorry, man. I can't think straight. I'm so pissed off.
0: I was literally just about to say I can sense everybody wanting to continue arguing about Andreas.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just reading the comments, you know? <laughs> uh,
1: we might as well talk about it until we're bored talking about it, huh? Because, uh, I don't know. You we, know we can try to move yes. on. But I'm, I'm seriously, like, I'm so pissed off right now. I didn't hear anything that was said between, all right, we won't talk about it in this moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I don't think the timetable can support that. But um, <laughs> I guess right. we're gonna we're gonna just uh, roll on. <laughs> Not really too much to really go over there, unless everybody wants to dive into Tor and I two P. I guess uh, screw
1: Tor, screw I two P. They're a bunch of scammers.
0: Okay, say that when the FBI comes knocking on your door
1: i'm
2: just trying Seriously. to uh,
1: uh, re- replace the uh, conversation and express the same emotion so
0: <laughs> all right jarring shinobi segue uh i think everybody saw that microsoft is uh acquiring github and i've seen quite a lot of uh strong feelings about this flying around on social media i guess uh yeah, I've got, I've got some two cents to toss in, but I know no para wanted to talk a little bit about this first.
2: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you
0: can't say anything but Microsoft is Satan. If you say anything else, you you're, you're banned from the show.
2: <laughs> okay. My, Microsoft is a terrible company that uh, <laughs> that has <clears throat> has proven its ingenuity and It's a bad actor in the space many times. And Microsoft has bought GitHub, and now the world is over. Uh, Yeah, like it's the death of open source, I think.
0: All right, you heard him, guys.
2: Open source is dead.
1: It, i mean it's interesting from a bitcoin perspective because we do we do use uh we do use github like you know most open source projects uh to store the code so there's there's kind of i mean i'm not i'm not worried about it but there's kind of an interesting uh vulnerability or or you know maybe you could call it a single point of failure or uh uh issue with you know now a corporation not that it wasn't a corporation before but whatever i'm just Trying to trying to say something sensational. Now a corporation has control over the uh, Bitcoin GitHub repo.
2: Okay, so so let let me let me tell you about my take on the story, my 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 real take. So w- what is GitHub? Git is a tool where you commit your code, and Git is distributed. You have it on every computer. That's where you commit. Then you push it to GitHub or some other place but usually to github and on github you discuss it with other people so github is basically used for code reviews which is very important but you know it's it's really hard to to see how how would anyone able to abuse this power you know what i mean i mean it's code reviews It, it it's a platform that provides discussion you cannot even send private messages and things like that. It's just uh hard to see how anyone could have used this this non existent power that Microsoft acquired by this and, and and then uh in on the Microsoft on, on the GitHub side GitHub wasn't improving at all in the last years. I mean I'm the 104th most Frequent GitHub contributor in the world, you know. Like I, I, I know, and I cannot use GitHub without some Chrome plugins that makes the stupid bugs more, uh, more usable. And okay, this is one on the Microsoft side. Microsoft in 2014 uh, changed CEO. Uh, Steve balmer Ballmer was changed to. Oh, my God, his, his name is unpronounceable. Uh, anyway, it was changed, and, and everything changed in Microsoft. I mean, I was literally ashamed to be a .NET developer uh, before, and uh, from 2014 to 2018, Microsoft open-sourced a lot of things, like uh, it bought uh, Xamarin Studio and open-sourced it. Uh, It created Visual Studio code, uh, cross-platform Visual Studio, mostly for Node.js developers. Uh, There is TypeScript. It opensource.net and made it cross-platform. So Microsoft did a lot of things to try to get more and more developers and open-source developers, and it became the biggest uh, open-source contributor on GitHub. Today, you know, that's uh, that's that's huge, and now Microsoft bought GitHub, and it didn't buy GitHub for. I mean, GitHub is not going to make money, and Microsoft doesn't want to make money with GitHub. What Microsoft wants to do is that you know the people who hate the most uh, hate Microsoft the most are on GitHub, so Microsoft wants to turn them. And what is the way to turn those people into, to not think about Microsoft as an evil company, but maybe only think about Microsoft as just a bad company or just a fine company, not good. But anyway, to turn them, the only way they can do that is to improve GitHub. And since GitHub didn't really improve anything during the last years, uh, it won't be such a hard job to, to to improve it. You know what I mean? So I, I think uh, the whole open source community is going to benefit greatly by fixing the small uh, GitHub bugs that it has and, and making the open source developers much more productive by providing a better tool yeah that's that's
1: my I, I hope this. you're right. i've I've seen Microsoft buy stuff in the past where they they have good intentions, but then two or three reorgs later, the people that bought the thing have no relationship with the people that own it right now and uh, and then it ends up being you know used because there's there's some VP in some marketing department that's like, hey, you know, we have this asset that's not being used we should we should really just put like one little pixel or one little thing over here or let's just tweak this or why don't we wire this thing up with tfs and oh by the way let's make that the default little stupid decisions along the way that after five years just make them you know the product completely unusable and i i the are- pessimistic part of me is like you know what the bureaucracy that they have set up right now and that they've had for a long time will probably result in some of that stuff happening maybe it, maybe it'll be more that good than bad but um you know, I don't think it's going to be clippy, but you know, it's I, I can almost guarantee there's going to be some really annoying little things to push other to push developers to use other Microsoft products. Maybe they've turned over you know, a new
2: There are three Microsoft: uh, the good, the bad, and the uh, whatever. Uh, the bad one is the Windows side of the Microsoft. The whatever is the Xbox gaming side of the Microsoft, and and the uh, the good Microsoft. What people are talking about are the developer side, the developer tool side, the .NET side, and you don't really have uh, examples of bad behavior on the on the developer side. Um, you, you know, we we have the best idea ever created, Visual Studio. We we have a programming language and a framework behind it, and and you know it's. Uh, it's it just wonderful to do anything with it, and it's cross-platform, open-source. and People just not catching up. That's what what changes are happening there. Well, anyway, I'm stop shielding Microsoft here.
1: <laughs> no, it's good, man. It's good. I, I I hope you're right, and I I think you have a lot more experience with uh, with a lot of the stuff than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's
0: pretty. They're pretty much just trying to keep building those developer relationships to keep building shit on the platform so that they don't really fall behind other shit like say that's a good like TLDR no para
2: I couldn't catch it.
0: I said so they're pretty much just trying to like create goodwill outreach for developers so that they continue developing on their platform. Like pretty much like a, a good way to sum it up, right?
2: Yes, exactly
0: hmm And I mean, you know, as as much as I hate Windows, like they're a very popular operating system. And I mean it's you know, as much as I hate that company and wish they crash and burn, as long as people are still using their products, I wouldn't call it a good thing for developers to just migrate away and stop working on shit. I mean, that's already a big enough problem in this space, you know, people not really doing a lot of testing and development for Windows. Alrighty. Jarring Shinobi segue. What? Coinbase moving to Japan? Buddying up with the FSA? What? What? They're, they're crawling up some other government's ass? Oh my god. But uh yeah. <laughs> they um Coinbase has pretty much hired a former uh, investment banker. Uh, now, Kitazawa, I hope I didn't butcher that too badly, uh, to be the CEO of their Japanese subsidiary, and they're rolling through the uh, finalization of their uh, you know, application for a license from the FSA, but uh, yeah, uh, don't really have much to say from this, except it's kind of obvious Coinbase would be the company that really kind of sticks in there and doesn't run away from all of the regulatory frameworks being set up in Japan. I mean they they pretty much are just bankers trying to integrate into this space and capture as large of a market share as possible. But it's I don't know, pr- pretty much the one thing I'm interested in this is seeing like how far they push into the Japanese market and whether they kind of try to stay more concentrated on the retail market side of things. Or if they try to start integrating a lot of the institutional products that they've been developing in America right now and Japan as well. I'm kind of interested to see how the competition between like domestic Japanese exchanges and Coinbase goes as far as those institutional products if they do try to extend those into the market as well.
1: ding dong (laughs) sorry uh in in all uh in all fairness i will admit that i was slightly distracted because bruce fenton is uh trying to show raven coin and uh he he's we've been going back and forth and he just agreed to uh to um to basically debate me in about an hour when block die just wraps up so but i am very excited about the constant march of commodization of mining hardware it's going to be uh, I mean, it's already just the fact that it's like a threat will affect people's behavior, right? So every new entrance, entrant into the, um, into the space is going to encourage the existing incumbents to cut their prices. Um, and uh, now, now <laughs> I feel really
0: bad. Sorry. <laughs> we're
1: talking, we're talking about Coinbase, JW. Damn it. Damn it. I was, I was trying to recover. Uh, I'm not doing good today, man. I was like, so pissed off through one story and then uh, Bruce hits me up on, on Twitter and gets me all flustered. So, all right, back, back to Shinobi. Take it away, Shinobi.
0: Well, uh, let's find out if <laughs> Japanese regulators favor domestic companies or foreign companies when it comes to developing institutional products for their investment banks and hedge funds and so forth.
1: Oh, uh, that's why I was zoning out, it's regulation talk again. <laughs> no, that, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I, I hate to see Coinbase expanding at all. I feel like they're just a huge cancer of stupidity moving across the face of the earth. But, um, you know, hopefully it all mo- brings more people into Bitcoin in the process.
0: All right, let's slide along and pretend that JW said what he said uh, five (laughs) minutes in the future instead of the past. But uh, GMO is um, officially today, I believe, accepting pre-orders for their B2 minor. Uh, It's $2,000 USD for 24 terahash, and it's not looking good for uh, Bitmain (laughs) and the electrical efficiency. uh look here it's uh 0.081 joule per giga hash for gmo uh how long trailing at 0.09 uh canon coming in at 0.99 and bitmain uh in last (laughs) at 0.1 joule for giga hash seems like they're rapidly falling behind uh, as far as mining developments and uh Samson apparently has heard from a little birdie that Aunt Minor has fucked up their second attempt at tapering out 10 nanometer mm-hmm. chips. <laughs> so they're not even successfully pushing down to 10 nanometers when GMO is about to start pre-orders for 7 and planning to ship it out by October, I believe. And one thing that I really like about what GMO is doing is apparently for um, the pre-order process what they're going to be doing is having a a lottery system if the demand exceeds the production capacity for each run they will pretty much be running a lottery around the ship time for each um each run of the the miners and not accepting payment until the lottery's actually been finished and kind of trying to um, oh yeah and they're also um, not imposing any uh, order minimums so it seems like they really are trying to be as openly accessible as possible even to retail consumers and set things up in a way where you can't have a big player just come in and scoop up all of an entire run like they're they're trying to make it like as fair and decentralized of a distribution process as possible which is Really encouraging, I think, as far as their attitude entering this space in general.
1: So I was just in a meeting with uh, Luke and Cobra and Jihan. I mean, actually, I, I don't know those guys at all. Never mind, forget I said that. But I think what we should do right now is we should change the proof of work algorithm um, because that's really going to uh, that's really going to reward people like GMO for the the billions of dollars that they're investing in this new product. We should completely destroy them destroy the profits of anybody else that's been investing and attempting to commoditize mining hardware. And uh, that's actually going to be a good thing because it's going to result in a whole lot more mining decentralization. And actually somehow, I'm not sure how, but the hash power is going to go up. So I think that's what we should do now.
0: But I mean, it just like...
2: Things are looking much better. Mm -hmm. Those ideas were not that... Not that out of the reality, you know, the proof of work change ideas back then. I mean, seriously, it was it was looking like, like the mining, ma- mining has centralized and the fight is over. There is nothing else to do here. I, no one's gonna come in. And now the open source guys came in and did along mining, or I mean, not open source guys, but. From the mentality of 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 these developers, and, and now the the institutional people came into and build the GMO stuff, and you know there is competition again, once again, and mining did not stop improving, so it's it's looking good now.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I. I... This is another thing where I'm like, you know, I don't know when the idea first started, um, but I do know, you know, like I debated Cobra. I haven't been able to debate Luke about it because um, he blocked me on Twitter, uh, I guess, because I don't agree with them. And it hasn't been the most productive back and forth exchange. But um, so I don't know how long this idea goes back that that Luke Dash Jr. got behind it. But people have um, wanted to
0: change the proof of work literally since ASICs were first developed.
1: Okay, but. What I'm saying is at this point in time, I, I won't I won't slam people for thinking that wasn't a good idea two years ago, right? But at this point in time, like I have thoroughly explained how changing the proof of work will impact all of the different entrants, right? or all of the different participants. None of it's good, right? It wouldn't have been good even if we had ninety five percent of the hash power all centralized changing the proof of work wouldn't have been good even under those circumstances because it would have discouraged what we're seeing now, which is new competition. We need to have profits and some amount of expectation of future profits or competitors won't enter the space. So it was never a good idea. It always would have been bad. I can give people the benefit of the doubt back then, but right now, we still have, like Luke, I'm, I'm trying to parse it together from what I can see on Twitter because I'm not I'm too lazy to actually log out and look at the, the tweet thread. But from what I can see right now, the, the narrative has shifted to something that's even more absurd, which is this idea that we're going to have a backup proof of work algorithm. That all of the miners are going to know about including the ones that are just considering becoming miners, right? Like everybody that's even possibly going to enter the space to be a competitor of Bitmain is going to know about this backup proof-of-work algorithm. Well, so I am also going to keep it secret it's, it's from Bitmain. Straight up, it's not a straight-up like change. Well,
0: I still think his argument is ridiculous, but what he's talking about is building in slight tweaks to Shot256 and then if a malicious actor were to appear looking at the it the doesn't matter the it's not really. the it doesn't
1: matter if it's a tweak that makes mining hardware ineffective or if it's a completely new mining algorithm at the end of the day it only matters if it bricks hardware right and it can only brick hardware uh by changing the algorithm enough to where you know it's a different algorithm so you can market it and you can layer it and you can create some kind of weird confusing story about how it's not a new proof of work algorithm because we're just uh, tweaking it or we're adding another thing it has the exact same effect on all of the participants in the market
0: but it's not and that's the rationale is that each like his rationale is each tweak to shot 256 by a unique manufacturer could be looked at and the proof of work change to allow valid work from all of the non-malicious actors so anybody except a malicious producer would still have functioning hardware, would still be able to continue producing their existing hardware. It would be the malicious manufacturer that would have useless hardware.
1: And I still believe- No, no, but that's that the point. It's, it's so an absurd concept think- and it is a change of the proof of work. And it is a change of the proof of the work that requires that we keep it a secret from we, everybody knows about it. Everybody in the world knows about it, except for Bitmain. Like that is the the idea. And it's just, it's absurd. It's but it's change. not.
0: It's each hardware manufacturer would each have a slight variant and we would change things so that all of the non-malicious variants were valid. It's not one thing you're keeping secret from Bitmain. It's a pool of things with which, or from which we would select only the non-malicious variants to accept as
1: valid. So we would somehow prevent Bitmain from being able to have the same variants that gmo has so that we could decide that we like the look of gmo's smile and we could brick all the bitmain stuff and not affect gmo D- that yeah, so that main, well that it, again awesome like i goodness. disagree
0: with the idea but i think the dynamic of the situation is very different than just a singular secret proof of work
1: it's not very different because whatever let's say there's 500 proof of backup proof of work algorithms right or 5,000, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's a change that we have to make sure that everybody's prepared for except for Bitmain, which means Bitmain would not be able to know about the backup algorithms or they would just copy them. So you can they, layer in additional layers of complexity, but it's still really, really stupid, man. Like it's it's incredible that anybody could think that this is a good idea to me. Like
0: Again, I, I disagree with it because I don't think everybody has been doing this, but it is not that insane every manufacturer would have their own variant like unless bitmain is running around grabbing everybody else's incorporating all of that into their hardware which i'm not sure would be possible or cost they would have to do is just copy one other manufacturer yes but then all of their current hardware is useless they have to go back to manufacturing and they fall behind as opposed to everything starting from scratch like and again i disagree with it i also think that it is a poor argument but i do think it's important for viewers to understand the difference there
1: all i'm saying is that you, there's a, you can you can create this rube goldberg system on top of it but the fundamental economic analysis is the same if you change the proof of work algorithm you're going to harm people that are entering the space new competition a lot more than you're going to harm the old incumbents, and nothing that we've talked about changes that fundamental truth.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea, Judo. I'm just trying. No, to no, understand. I know,
1: man. I'm only wanting to argue about this because I think it's really, really important. I, I don't think it has the support that it needs, but, um, but I don't know what it felt like when the uh, the big block stuff started. Right, like if we can nip this in the bud sooner rather than later, that's better. And, uh, you know changing the proof of work algorithm would be far worse than a big block change, right? We, we would lose all of our hash power basically overnight. Um, and we would cause any other uh, entrant to compete with Bitmain and these guys to be very, very fil- fearful about ex- expending a bunch of capital to invest in tools. That could be the end of the game in a way that I think even the big block stuff didn't have the potential to be. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think it's something that we should be pretty aggressive about making clear to everybody this, this is a really, really bad idea as early as possible.
0: Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's a horrible idea, but I just want people to clearly understand Luke's logic. Like I want people, if they disagree with Luke to go actually argue from a rational place and not be misinterpreting what he's proposing.
1: Well, then maybe they can hit Luke up on Twitter and say, Hey, instead of, uh, instead of just trying to create your own echo chamber with people that don't agree with you, let's have a half an hour, an hour conversation. Like even Bruce is willing to do that. You know, you're, you're advocating for something that people that are not absolute idiots think is super, super dangerous. It probably deserves a little bit of a dialogue. <laughs>
0: I've, I've talked to Luke about this and told him I think it's a poor idea, but I mean he's going to advocate what he advocates for. Like that's why well, I, I like I, and respect
1: I didn't Luke. say he has to agree with it. I said he has to change his behavior with which the, in, in regard to how he engages in the discourse, right? Instead of blocking people and trying to create a, a Roger Ver echo chamber, um, why not have a intelligent conversation with me or anybody else that is convinced that uh, this would be catastrophic? That's that's not too much to ask that's the minimum that we should ask of somebody that's trying to convince us all to make a change that's this important Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but All right,
0: we are pushing past the hour limit guys ready for a fun one. Yeah All right, mr. Fake Toshi, what's this Miners should start thinking about no dust limit and some zero fee transactions to spur adoption faster. Single Satoshi tokens, plan for the long-term when nobody pays a fucking fee because you idiots are mining things with no fees and I can just wait and not pay anything. So CoinGeek and Enchain are literally planning on altering their mining pools software to remove the dust limit and accept free transactions with zero fees that would be awesome that would be so awesome i know i've been looking for a place to store all my tv shows and shit. i mean fuck like i don't care if the backup takes a few months to go through i I can pay no fees now like guys this is the best cloud storage option in the entire universe. And now.
2: They they would figure out very quickly what the 32 megabyte books mm. means.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is I don't I don't think they'll do it, but I hope that they do. Um there there's a framework that they just know, got released um, uh to make it know, really easy to, <laughs> what's that? Oh yeah, it's Craig great They're not gonna do anything he says.
0: Of course they're gonna do it. Like, dude, this is Like, this is exactly what people like Mr. Hoddle have been saying is going to happen. Like, they're going to keep pushing this fucking free transaction nonsense to the most absurd extreme, and eventually, they're going to have to alter the coin supply. Like, if, if this happens, I mean, like, Jesus Christ, like, who in their right mind except some lunatic B Cash fanboy is going to pay a fee when you can just not pay a fee and
2: wait like like <laughs> i mean people that are, are that crazy are completely crazy on the other side but but they are not completely crazy they are not gonna do zero fee transactions they are just just crazy not, not completely crazy if you know what i mean
0: but why not, Nopara? That is the perfectly economically rational thing to do. If I can pay you money and not pay a fee versus pay you money and pay a fee, why am I going to pay that fee? Like why? Especially with like the the entire rabid insanity of zero confirmation being safe and secure. Why would I pay the fee? I just sent you a zero fee transaction. It's cool, bro. Zero comp is totally safe.
2: I mean, we both have arguments against what you are saying. In fact, that's why you are saying this in a sarcastic manner. But they they understand our arguments to some degree, even they don't admit it. If you know what I mean.
0: Mm -hmm. But my point is, like, this is just like economically rational like if you are an economically rational person and you can do something without incurring (laughs) a cost you are going to do something without incurring a cost and i mean let alone like you know i'm just i'm just looking right now at the the economics of mining and like how this is just the stupidest thing in the world with the incentives let's go on to the utxo set so they're going to remove the dust limit well okay The block size is what functions as a throttle for the the rate at which the UTXO set can grow. They've increased it by a factor of 32 versus Bitcoins like prior to SegWit. That leaves the fucking dust limit as the secondary throttle. You can't create an output that is smaller in value than the dust limit. So now if this actually goes through if a lot of miners start doing this you have not only like increased the rate at which the fucking utxo set can grow by 32 times you've now removed the only other limitation to like its ultimate size and growth you've removed the dust limit now people can literally create outputs of a single satoshi if you break down the the 21 million coins into outputs of just single satoshis, you are literally talking about forty plus petabytes.
2: Like okay, so, so so let let me tell you how it how they are thinking about this. They keep seeing, keep keep saying that one gigabyte blocks and shit like that is not are perfect and. What they think is that, well, 32 megabyte is is kind of closer to one gigabyte than one megabyte or something like that, but but they know that it's not going to be 32 megabyte, uh, so so they are they are they feel safe to increase it to 32 megabyte. So so what about the zero fees? Well, according to our logic, zero fees should zero fee transactions should go into our network however if we allow zero fee transactions to go into our network then we are going to figure out what 32 megabyte means and there is a chance that we are wrong on it and other people are right on it and so we we would we would rather not try that out so they are going to play it safe and not going to let zero fee transactions. I mean, that's just completely crazy. They, they have nothing to, to game with it. You know? and I mean, that, that's
0: yet another thing. Unless they,
2: they fully believe they're bullshit, but they, they don't, you know?
0: If they do this, like you either need to directly send this to the miners or you are going to need to update nodes like dust limit locally for relay nodes. So not only is this completely and utterly retarded with the mining incentives, not only is this incredibly exacerbating like the, the potential UTXO set bloat, or bloat, but if relay nodes are upgraded to allow relaying things without a dust limit as well. Now you've just opened an insane denial of service attack against nodes. I can just take a tiny fraction of Vcash and just spam you with one Satoshi transactions all day.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of refreshing to talk to somebody like Chris Pasilla the other week and actually have a civil conversation. But like most people on the other side of the fence are not, like Chris. They're not going to sit and rationally assess things. They don't the appreciate comments, how
2: this actually works. That Chris was, Chris was more of a reasonable person. I mean, the, the, the BCH people said it in the comments that, well, that's not how they, they said it. But what they meant is Chris is more reasonable than all of us. So it was not a good conversation because Chris has more reasonable views. That's, well, that's yeah, not co- how they said it, but that's what it means.
0: Of course, they're going to say that. But, like, my point is, Chris will actually have a discussion about the engineering trade offs, the architecture of the system. Like, most Bitcoin Cash supporters, from what I can see, do not comprehend this at all. Like, they do not understand. They cannot assess these things. Like, they're just blindly repeating things. And, if I'm right in that most of the, the BCH people are of that type of personality, I think it's a lot more likely that this actually happens than it doesn't happen. (laughs) And it is like, personally, it is going to be fucking popcorn city for me. Like,
2: (laughs) I mean, I, I would love to see that happen, but I think we are just underestimating the BCH people. I mean, I mean, they, they are not this, not this stupid. I and mean, come on, there's no one this stupid. You, you have to be completely retarded to, to do this, like, like Craig Wright to talk about it. it's You know, it's just not going to happen, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next topic.
0: But I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> All right. So everybody strap into your hats and let's hope that I am actually understanding this code correctly and this uh, next person on Twitter is uh, not misleading me. But Parity just issued an alert for an update due to um, a consensus bug. And based on this diff here and what uh, Mr. Christopher Goes from uh, Germany is saying, um, and this is because in a certain condition parity was literally not um checking whether transactions were signed <laughs> and so um effectively there there is an ethereum improvement proposal out there to pretty much make their broken design uh somewhat more efficient and um like the, the, the way a wallet contract and especially a multi-sig uh, wallet contract works right now, it's literally an on-chain smart contract. So for instance, in the case of a multi-sig, each individual like wallet that is part of that multi-sig needs to actually perform an on-chain transaction just to initiate a transfer of something controlled by the multi-sig. Meaning that each individual participant needs to interact with the chain and have an Ethereum balance for gas to use the multisig before the actual multi-sig contract itself acts appropriately and moves money. And so this proposal from what I can kind of gather was set up to allow a um, kind of a default transaction with no fee that would just act um, as a relay with a payload for signatures for things like this. And like it in itself is not signed. It's just kind of being broadcast from a like default Ethereum address into whatever contract you're using. And then the contract itself would then handle like the spending the gas and kind of simplify the whole process uh, of using something like multi-sig with the, the way the entire system is architected right now. And so Parity apparently um, was kind of not enforcing that correctly. And so if miners had mined a, a transaction using this, it, it would have been interpreted differently by geth and Parity and cause a chain split. <laughs> so i mean like th- this is like i seriously i i don't know what to say anymore w- with these ethereum bugs and the shit it's it's just fucking ridiculous <laughs> like it the entire architecture is fucked as inefficient as i can imagine something like this being and a proposal to streamline that a little bit which isn't even implemented yet or i mean activated yet parry fucked up implementing and left the entire network open to a chain split because of consensus failure
1: (laughs) yeah I, i this this is retarded i mean it is there's no other word for it um and it's it's like it's almost like uh I don't know it's like it feels like watching the government in a way right like at first when they do something really crazy like get us into a war that doesn't make sense you're just outraged right and that that only happens to like 15 year olds and 16 year olds in the united states because by the time you're like 30 you've seen like 14 of these things and you're just like whatever right oh yeah killed another million people in the middle east that's a that's a bummer this is how it's starting to feel with the theory of like it's just so much dumb so often that I'm really totally desensitized to it. I wasn't even interested in the story. That's how bad it is now. And I'm like a security guy, right? Like I'm always interested in bugs, especially bugs that result in stealing money. So ah, uh, yeah, I, I today I did a, a video on why I think all ICOs are doomed. Um, and uh, I think Ethereum fits into that category. Like there were some people that were involved early on that may have uh, not been scammers, right? Like I think most of them were, but most of the the high profile ones were. Um, but I think once that kind of money flows into the project, like any motivation to actually do anything useful has been completely destroyed and eroded. Um, and I, I'm all for the free market. I'm not saying that, um, that like if you give somebody money, it demotivates them, but if you give somebody a hundred million dollars to work on something that maybe will produce a million dollars in revenue over like the next three years, that is that is like such like you're, you're just like choking that horse with so much dumb money it's just not going to be able to breathe so i think
2: that this is the natural result of that you know on the one hand i can sympathize with developers fucking up basic things because you know we're we doing that all the time i mean i, I came from software development background and everyone was working on basic things all the time you know but when when i came into bitcoin i saw that things cannot be cannot be taken that's that's without without you have to take 100% 100% care of every line of code, whatever you're writing in Bitcoin, because you are playing with other people's money and not just writing a fucking, uh, I don't know, other media player for the App Store or something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate that, that Ethereum developers go fast and break things fast uh, mentality uh, along this mentality, and, and they don't don't take good care of their code or pride in their. I mean, I, I don't want to say they don't take pride in their code, but not as much as Bitcoin developers, that's for sure. <clears throat> and yeah, they, their culture is is really really fucked up. Their coding culture, you know. Like, Shinobi just told me to integrate Lightning Network to, to the wallet and, and, you know, this is the exact kind of things, but what you don't do, you don't integrate Lightning Network for, for I don't know, marketing or things like that because it's beta. You don't want uh, any stable things to put into your stable software. Uh, Ethereum, okay, let's do sharding, let's do this and that and that and in the end, there's nothing's going to work. You have to be conservative when it's just about money, you know.
0: Hmm. I mean, that's like part of what like pisses me off so much about the entire Ethereum ecosystem. I mean i don't want to go get up and wave the paper around because it's not in arm's reach but like i I literally have a physical copy of the bitcoin magazine uh from 2014 where vitalik as a writer there posted the first big article on ethereum where he's talking about like a world computer and legal contracts and decentralized messaging apps and storage systems and money was that this isn't money this is the world computer and now somehow over the years, we've gotten to this weird space where like, everything is being pitched as financial contracts, moving money around. <clears throat> like He's literally gone on um, Laura Shin's um, Unchained or whatever podcast and directly said that he never saw Ethereum for anything more than moving value around in the beginning. And it's horseshit. I'm literally six feet away from- from an article he wrote himself in 2014 discussing how it was explicitly designed for all kinds of things that have nothing to do with value transfer. And it's like, they just keep piling more bullshit into this Rube Goldberg machine and just gaslight and whitewash the entire history of what their stated goals were in doing this. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like it is one of the few things in this space, I would legitimately call a Ponzi scheme. But they have no, like literally the only person with integrity I can point at in the Ethereum ecosystem is Vlad Zapomir. And at this point, he's literally just laughing and trolling about all the fundamental problems with it. And just like, oh, I don't know what the fuck to do. (laughs) Whoops. I mean, it, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, this is not uh, this is not like the new social network, right? Like this is not um, uh, I don't know messaging pictures of cats back and forth. Like those sort of projects, um, they do have a lot of a lot of bugs, right? And they can ship early and break things and all that. But even in like really really crappy companies like even in like the worst companies in the world which are like u.s banks they don't ship stuff without putting it through some pretty thorough testing and there's a code review process um you know they're not smart enough to open source code and and really build the community of people that are looking at it most of the time but they don't they they rarely ship stuff that's this
2: bad um and
1: they are honestly like the worst
2: i mean i was working for I I was even working for uh, nuclear plants, uh, writing the security software into I I, I shouldn't even you know, say this, guys. <laughs> I no, just, no. I just moved on. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Look, what what I'm saying is that uh, the worst software companies in the world are banks. Right? They they produce the worst code of any typical company um for the amount of stuff that they secure but even those guys they have some amount of code review and they usually will hire security consultants to come in and do attack and pen tests and do security code reviews if it's something that's high security and public facing they have the least incentive to do it because the government will just give them money and bail them out and then they can you know raise fees and say we have fraud problems and all that sort of stuff but in my experience they're not even this bad um so i don't know for, for what it's worth, I, this, this seems in the last 20 years of my experience to be some of the worst, most regular uh, sort of critical security flaws coming out of any project.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's <sighs> Lord Vitalik is infallible. We must follow his word. All right, well, I guess no slipped off uh, real quick. Uh, let's change the story out from under him. <laughs> so uh, this uh, I am happy about. Uh, as a Ledger user who moved away to Electrum and now the Electrum uh, personal server from Belker because of how completely and utterly shit their, uh, their Chrome plugin is. Ledger is going to be releasing a desktop native app and working on releasing an iOS and uh, Android version. So for people who don't like connecting shit to their browser and all of the bugs and potential nonsense that that enables, if you own a Ledger, no more. The the one sad thing, uh, though, is they're uh, seemingly going to be continue, uh Seemingly going to be continuing their shitcoin trend. Uh, it's not going to be launched uh, initially, but they are working in ERC twenty and uh, contract management support for Ethereum, and are planning on integrating uh, over a hundred different cryptocurrencies. So, yay! Um, uh, solid, uh, you know, native app. Uh, Boo shitcoins. Stop spending all your time and resources on shit coins, Ledger.
2: Could you could you explain to me? I I'm not familiar with this news. That what does Ledger do with the Electron Persona Server?
0: Oh, I'm just saying. Like I stopped using their um, their uh, Chrome plugin almost instantly because it's a flaming pile of shit. And I've pretty much just been using it with Electrum, but they're going to be releasing a native desktop app. I think um, I think July sixth or something was uh, the release date for it.
2: Okay, I actually. So you were not talking about the Batcher's personal server, right?
0: Oh no! Yeah, I was. I just kind of mentioned it offhand. Like I went from using the uh, the Ledger app for like maybe a day to Electrum, and I've been running the uh, Electrum personal server ever since that
2: got out. Okay, so can you tell me what's the what's the point of the Electrum personal server?
0: Pretty much to keep your metadata uh, private. Like right now, like any SPV wallet, like any hardware wallet applet, it's blasting out your master pub key and every single address that you have or will have on that wallet to like Trezor's node, if you're using their applet or Ledger's node, or if you're using something like Electrum, whatever Electrum server you're connected to. So it's pretty much destroying your privacy on a network level. And uh, the personal server, pretty awesome setup that every person watching should download immediately. That uh, it pretty much plugs in your uh, addresses or your master pub key into Bitcoin Core. And then um, acts as a bridge so that Electrum can connect to that directly and not leak any of that metadata to anybody else. So as far as like a network level, I would say it's probably the best thing you can do aside from just using Bitcoin core directly itself.
2: Okay, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I was one of the actually I was the first person who reviewed the idea and I don't really I don't really see much fantasy, I mean. You can use Electrum user interface with Bitcoin core and it's nice but never mind okay
0: it's that nice it's awesome everybody should do it that's me typing in 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 the chat box screaming at everybody (laughs) run run electron personal server
1: I'm too excited to talk about the uh the Wozniak story is that a is that our, our segue (laughs) nope nope i guess not uh let's see i will stall while you fight with ad blockers the waz the waz is big on bitcoin all right take it away schnobs you're muted i bet you're saying something really really interesting right now
0: yeah i was you guys should have been with bated breath But uh, (laughs) Wozniak is doubling down on Dorsey's prediction that Bitcoin becomes the single global currency. And, uh, you know, I just I threw this up there, not really a story, but I just find it interesting that any of the really like technically competent people kind of circling the space, you know, especially a lot of people involved in actually building big products or services on the Internet or you know, just computing in general from the early days, they always seem to gravitate to, like, I guess you could say a maximalist point of view. Like, they, they really appreciate the importance of that interoperability and that network effect and having a standard protocol for things as opposed to everybody's private protocol that has to all be hacked together in You know a bunch of overly complex ways for them to interact with each other and i just think you know it's it's kind of an interesting thing to really consider like ding
1: sorry i was i was fighting with my mute button there yeah i i I love Waz. i think he's awesome uh i i love his personality like i love everything about that guy man like i'm totally a Waz fanboy um I love that the guy is still uh he still just loves to build stuff like he just loves to tinker and uh uh, get his hands on like new devices and code and uh i think a lot of you know a lot of us have had our lives improved by the work that he did uh just because it's in his nature right he doesn't try to like scream from the rooftop that you should worship me he's just like i just like to build stuff and so i built stuff back then and i'm still building stuff those the that's like the best qualification for trying to find an expert is somebody that is just convincingly interested. They're not like on a boat with some, uh, you know, underage chick sitting on their lap. They're they're sitting down and, uh, you know, building the Legos that they were building since they were six years old. And it just happens to be electronics or code or whatever. So I think Waz is awesome. And uh, I think he's right. And I just, I'm, I'm just beaming, man. I'm just like totally psyched that he's uh, he's coming out and being so aggressive
0: about it. There's two types of people in the world. There's people who think Steve Jobs when they hear Apple, and there's people who think Steve Wozniak. You better be the type of person who thinks Steve Wozniak.
1: <laughs> totally. Jobs is the kind of person that knows so little about science. Ah, never mind. I, I'm not gonna. I, I won't. I won't disparage the dead. I'll save that for Bruce in 20 minutes.
2: I just watched Jobs movie yesterday, the first time in my life. <laughs> was he, was he really the, i don't know i literally don't know anything about jeffs but was he really the festival you know <laughs> he's yeah. not
1: dead he moved to argentina <laughs> no you know what i I will say something nice about him and that is that i think he really cared about building stuff as well but uh but he was the, he was the front man sort of guy and what i was gonna say is he he had like so so little interest in how, how the world actually works that from what I understand he would still be around today if he had any interest in how tumors worked or chemotherapy or any of that stuff. So that's kind of a sad note. You know
2: what? Let's just let just keep prizing Wozniak. Okay? <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs>
1: I was so popular 30 seconds ago.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the fucking wisdom, Waz. Wake up the plubs. In other news um china is still going blockchain tard um it doesn't seem like they're loosening up on bitcoin at all (laughs) so the chinese central bank uh the people's bank of china uh has apparently finished developing a blockchain based system to clear checks and are apparently working um I didn't really know this until, um, you know, I read this article, but apparently in China, there are a lot of um, banks and non-banking institutions that kind of issue checks. And a lot of times, like they'll bounce around for quite a while before they get cleared. And so China has a pretty big uh, check fraud problem uh, because of this. And so one of the the first actual practical things I've seen come out of the uh, the People's Bank of China like R&D program with blockchains is uh, this. And I really don't like it. I really, like ev- everything I see coming out of China attached to the word blockchain just makes me very uneasy about where that country is going in the long term. Like, kind, like... <sighs> Setting up a thing like this and digitizing checks, like this, all of these checks can be tracked. Like the, the central bank, any anybody who has a copy of, of the ledger that this is going to all be underpinned by can see everything about where the money's going. And I don't think I really have to expound too much on why it should be a little horrifying to think about the Chinese government developing yet another avenue to pretty much track everything their citizens are doing. I mean, like, (laughs) this is, like, really fucking terrifying for me to think about. Like, if if they start deploying these kinds of things, like, monetarily start deploying this for internet services, like the the Baidu uh, system we touched on in the last episode, like, this is... Like this, this is the kind of basis that they will take and apply the social credit system that they're deploying right now into every tiny facet of somebody's life. Like they're actually building out all of the systems now to put every single person under a microscope and rank them and actually like base what they are allowed to do in their society based on their ranking. Like, like China is fucking taking a very, very dark turn in the world. Like, you know, 10 years ago, if you would have asked me where I saw China going, I would have said people are probably going to get fed up. There's probably going to be massive civil unrest and rioting until the government starts moving in a more democratized direction. And that's the exact opposite (laughs) that's happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, let me, let me comfort you. Uh, the United States is the very best at tracking everything that you do, every dollar you spend, every phone call, you make every email, you send every voice conversation that you have. Um, and they're also the best at, uh, at PR. So they make you feel the best about the circumstances. So I'm not really worried about China. I'm far more worried about the direction that the United States is headed. Um, and the amount of uh, surveillance and control over the individual that that uh, that they have, but um, I, that's not to say that I don't think that this is bad news uh, as they continue to ramp up their surveillance state, but my, you know, it's mostly a gut feel, but my gut feel is based on, if nothing else, just the amount of spending that's sort of in this, quote, defense category. Um, I'm pretty sure that we probably spend, let's say, roughly $10 for every dollar that the the Chinese government spends on this sort of activity. So, you know, based on that alone, I, I doubt that these guys are anywhere near the forefront of uh, creating the 1984 that we all that we all fear. So if you're comfortable wherever you're at in the United States, you know, don't be. They're rolling. They're doing it right now.
0: Like they're like they literally have automated systems in some Chinese cities that will give you a ticket for jaywalking, ID you by facial recognition, publicly shame you on a public screen at that intersection, and they're starting to plug you know augmented reality See, that's, 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 a,
1: that's a bad move. That. That's like, not how the United States would do it. The United States would do it by just taking a picture of you and watching you very carefully and keeping it all archived so that they could use it when they wanted to. And instead of, uh, giving you a ticket because that's bad PR, they would avoid doing that and then they would crush the people thoroughly that they want to crush. At least that's how I would do it if I was the evil emperor.
0: So I'm far less worried
1: about those bad PR moves like, like giving people a ticket. You're, you're looking at things in a vacuum
0: as two comparable systems. Like we all live in the same world with like the 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 same global dynamic. And right now, China has a hard grasp on America's balls. And the only country that even comes close to that is Japan. Like there are debtors. Like they own a huge chunk of America monetarily. And what they do, how they progress as a society, is very worrying to me with how much potential influence they have over America, considering the lion's share of our debt they're. So to see like this kind of situation continue evolving this way, I think it is very relevant to America, and it should be very worrying.
1: Uh, I'm still I'm still more concerned about the uh, the, the recent uh, change in laws in the United States to just completely embrace and love the surveillance state instead of you know, whereas before it was at least a secret. So you know, for what it's worth.
0: Just means we're going in the same direction. But jarring mood shift and segue. Twitch is accepting cryptocurrency. You can now tip Twitchers with cryptocurrency. Although, sadly they're using Coinbase and requiring people to actually register a Coinbase account and handle all of that kyc nonsense so hey it was positive now it's not positive it's a roller coaster of emotions guys and there's an
2: ad so so, first of all what is twitch (laughs) second of all, uh wasn't coinbase stopping its merchant service entirely
0: well um from my understanding they were mostly closing out the fiat side of things which is really what like uh you know merchants themselves wanted but seeing as this is uh kind of an it's not really a business this is kind of just like you tipping people and them accepting it on their personal account and then being able to sell it on a personal level but twitch is pretty much like a it started off as a game streaming platform where people can just like kind of stream themselves playing video games and like get tipped and shit for that. But recently they've really been expanding into a lot of other stuff. Like they've been creating categories for just like normal streaming shows. Like there's a decent amount of like crypto traders doing things over there. I mean, it's I don't know, it's, it's pretty much just a, a YouTube, but more like gaming centric in where it started off and a, a little bit looser in like uh, kind of the, the content you can post there and like what they'll actually penalize you or ban you for.
2: Oh, so it's something like Exotica, but it's for games and for porn, right? Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, th- I think you meant Stupatica too, by the way. No, I did not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh I don't know it's kind of, kind of the same vein it's not of like going uh, to it. <laughs> which is like kind of in the same vein of like what g m o is working on as far as like integrating crypto rewards into video games like i I like to see this even though they are using coinbase because it's like this is not just opening up new payment methods for things it's kind of streamlining like just entirely new like niches and ways to make money but um speaking of ways to make money who remembers kick the, the, the messenger product that uh i, I, the, the the that ICO. Much,
1: I really thought that they were going to do something you and swollen worthwhile <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, yeah, it was a messenger app that launched an ICO to create its own token to allow people to send money back and forth. And um, seems like their CEO is not really fond of blockchain all the things, um, you know, after he raised a bunch of money <laughs> and tried to blockchain all the things. Uh, he, he's pretty much recently been directly quoted as saying unless you're trying to build one of the most used cryptocurrencies in the world it's very low odds that blockchain is going to create value to, er, for you uh, never- <laughs> but, I mean I just I just kind of thought this was interesting because like out of the like whole ico mania over like the last year or so this was one that really got a lot of attention uh, out there and it's it's really kind of interesting to see a guy who's actually raised the money and actually set off in this direction and then he just like after the fact okay this uh maybe wasn't like the best idea like maybe blockchain is not a solution to solve the world's problems and it's like, i don't know it's, it's 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 kind of interesting the way you have like some people.
2: From more of a maximum. I, I went to work on blockchain for a few months and then we came to the conclusion. I mean I came to the conclusion it doesn't work. So I left. But actually they since have launched an ICO so maybe it works. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Depends on what you mean by works.
2: So, so I see what happened. He, uh, got memmed really hard on Silicon Valley and, uh, now he's walking away with his, uh, tail between his legs.
1: Yeah. I, I. So, so kick's idea was they were going to create a, uh, currency on their own platform. It was good. Cause you know, they have a bunch of teenagers that use it. It's, it's a pretty big social network, um, among yo- like younger teenagers and, uh, Yeah, they were going to uh it was basically going to be a way that you could send you know you could do payments inside and then they were going to open source all of kick and i or yeah kick uh and i thought oh that that's interesting because it's kind of a way that they can exit and then just walk away uh, because once they open source it somebody will enable bitcoin but it's kind of a way for them to monetize that transition um But I think that they uh, I think they planned on building it on Ethereum, which was just a really stupid idea because it could never support enough transactions to matter. Um, So I I don't know why they didn't do something like a colored coin uh, on Bitcoin, but maybe it was because they they also knew that there was going to be spike fees. So it's interesting because like without lightning on Bitcoin, a lot of this stuff just can't happen, even though people have spent millions of dollars trying to make it happen. Like one, one person could have just said, yeah, that's not gonna work and save them a lot of effort. But with lightning, I mean, they could do something like that. Not that I think it's a good idea to have another competing shit coin, but um, but at least their plan could have been executed uh, with colored coins, if you can find a way to make those work on lightning. Mm-hmm. I just think it's, you know, it's, it's it's just nice to see, like, you know, they,
0: they did this like, you know, I, I forget how long ago, but they, they were talking about like scalability issues with Ethereum. And now he's just like gone full on. Like, he, he's effectively just said like this whole blockchain craze is just nonsense. And it's like, it's good to see people move in a direction towards reason as opposed to away from it. But in the interest of time, jarring shinobi segue. Um, so this is um not specifically related to the challenge of the regulatory regime in uh, south korea i have been digging around kind of trying to find more information on that but i think it's going to be a bit because the translations are completely bastardized and i kind of need to dig around a little bit more and make sense of things but um in September last year, uh, a man was pretty much busted selling child pornography for Bitcoin in South Korea and sentenced to, I think, eight, yeah, 18 months in prison. But the court that he was initially tried in ruled that the Bitcoin he'd received for that would not be seized as it did not represent some kind of tangible asset. Well, this was pretty much pushed up to the Supreme Court, which has ruled that Bitcoin is a asset. It does have value and it is seizable legally in connection with illegal activities. And, you know, initially so far, uh, a lot of the uh, other branches of the Korean government have kind of you know, made statements to the contrary, but as of right now, as far as the Supreme Court is concerned, uh, it's pretty much been recognized as a financial asset in South Korea, which uh, I think from the vague understanding I have what's going on with the challenge to regulation, I think might kind of help that argument a little bit. As like for, from what I've gathered, it seems the the entire argument for challenging the regulation is it's violation of property rights, as described in the Korean Constitution. And if like this continues to go forward and this this is not overturned in any way, that Bitcoin is an asset, I think this would kind of help bolster the legitimacy of the argument of property law violations. Um. You know, seeing as it's officially recognized as a financial asset now, and we're gonna steamroll along to the next one because we got four minutes, and we're gonna we're gonna make this timetable. Damn it, we're gonna yeah. make it. All right. So, um, Dong He, the director of the Monetary and Capital Markets Department in the uh, IMF, uh, I think he he finally had that moment where it clicks. And he realizes what Bitcoin actually represents. <laughs> so, um, what's this? Uh, his quote here um, pretty much is dealing with the, the volatility of things and the, the lack of, you know, enforcement through legal tender laws uh, as far as the valuation of cryptocurrencies. But. He's pretty much starting to recognize once scaling issues are addressed more and it's actually used more as a medium of exchange that this could start causing uh, problems. And uh, where the three main points, um, pretty much what he's worried about is this becoming a unit of account and prices being you know, delegated in Bitcoin as opposed to fiat. Because at that point, it just completely, like, it makes monetary policy irrelevant. Like, the, the entire goal of monetary policy is to look at baskets of goods and try to target their price accounted in those fiat currencies and kind of keep them you know, wherever the central bank wants to keep them uh, regarding their actual inflation targets. And the minute things start being priced in Bitcoin, that doesn't matter. I mean, if if you're pricing things in, in Bitcoin, the central bank can play with money they're issuing, play with interest rates, try to adjust the fiat prices for things, however the hell they want. But all they're really going to be doing is, you know, messing with the fiat side of things while, hey, I'm pricing things in Bitcoin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought this was hilarious because uh, Christine uh, Lagarde, I think her name is, the head of the IMF, has kind of been dancing back and forth as far as like positive and negative analysis of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies for a while right now. This is the first like statements out of the IMF that is like they get it. Like, this isn't politicking. This isn't trying to dance on the line of, well, this can be a good thing or this can be a bad thing. Like, this is exactly what Bitcoin is setting out to do become the medium the of exchange, would. become so the unit of account. In the <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, they get it. Like, they actually get it now. Like, this isn't just some funny toy or thing like this is gunning for the reason that they exist as an institution in the first place
1: <laughs> it's great advertising i mean could you imagine like the biggest competitor of uh, some startup uh you know it's the startup has like 0.0001% market share and the competitor is coming out saying, yeah, you know, we have concerns about these guys. We're not really sure, but maybe we won't exist if this thing keeps heading in the direction it's headed. <laughs> it's like this, if you're smart money, you should be like, what? It's time to invest. Hmm. You know,
0: it's the, that, that moment is coming. They're waking up and uh, they're either going to have to sit back and let shit happen or take whatever desperate measures they can, but uh they're going to have to make their mind up sooner or later.
1: Hey, I, I better jump off. Cause I don't want to give Bruce any excuses for not showing up this time. Uh, last time I scheduled the interview with him, he, he, uh, he couldn't do it. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh yeah, just uh vote McAfee. See you.
0: <laughs> All right. See you. Tell him I said, what's up. All right. All right. And I guess, uh, JW gave us the perfect segue. That is the madman who is going to challenge our beloved God Emperor Trump in 2020.
2: How dare he! <laughs> I will vote for him. I will vote for him.
0: Don't let, don't let, don't let the God Emperor hear you say that, Nopar. You're going to disappear into a fucking windowless room somewhere, and no one's ever going to see you again. but yeah it's uh i i don't know what what the fuck is going through like john mcafee's head like this guy is batshit insane like he he tried this during the last election he was a completely marginalized candidate who almost nobody
2: paid attention to like, but now he has crypto he has the votes of crypto people
0: but he doesn't he's a fucking lunatic like this guy has raped women probably killed his neighbor like he literally moved down to Belize to play fucking third world cyberpunk billionaire
2: like he's probably you can say about every politician you guys had.
0: Eh, dude, Trump is a fucking rocket scientist with the IQ of Einstein and a perfect game plan compared to John McAfee. McAfee is a complete fucking schizoid lunatic. Like, (laughs) I mean, like, Jesus Christ. Like, the hammock, okay? That's, That's all I have to say, the hammock. You either know what I'm talking about or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess last last uh, last comments for anybody.
2: Yeah. You know, I I, I didn't know what you were talking about. The um. Hammock, but but never. He, mind. Okay. We'll, we'll he had a, a ha- okay, yeah. he had a hammock
0: so. in Belize. Where uh, there was a hole cut in it, so that women could shit in his mouth while he was laying in the
2: hammock. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> okay. So, what what happens in the bed or, or in the hammock? That's, that's private matters. Uh, my, my point is, in, in Hungary we had a, we had a party that was. It was gaining traction and had some percent of votes. I think even got into the parliament. I, I don't know. The point is that that party was a uh, was was a joke of politicians uh, to, to make joke joke of them, and things like that. Uh, when when it was the debate when it was uh, some final final interview in a national television, the guy um, put himself in a chicken custom and was went into <laughs> in the chicken custom went into the the interview and he was saying nothing but what the chicken says. I don't know what it says it in English. Uh, probably not a roof roof or whatever. Uh, my point is that that party got votes. I mean, McAfee and Trump is the same. They Well, they, they don't dress into chicken customs, but but the same. same you know, it just doesn't matter. At, at this point, uh, people are so angry that it just doesn't matter. Just get anyone, anyone... Who is who's promising them free beer? Because, yeah, it's it's sad.
0: There, we are going to get one of three people as a president in 2020. Trump is going to be reelected. Ivanka is going to run and get elected. Or we're going to have Kanye West run as a Republican and just absolutely like drive half of America batshit insane. I don't care who, any of those is going to be fucking hilarious. (laughs) All right, though. I I feel weird doing last thoughts without loading Janine's thoughts. Come on, come on, no power, Acnex. Let's get a last thought. This feels wrong if we don't have a last thought
2: moments I'm looking for something.
0: Hmm. No, no final thoughts. Uh, let's see.
2: Uh, what would be good. Kanye and McAfee, uh, presidential race. That that'd be great.
0: I think Kanye would win.
2: (laughs) Yes sir, so can you see this? (laughs) This is what I was talking about. So here is the interview.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I thought you were kidding, that's Jesus Christ. Oh my God, recursive, recursive. Alright, well um yeah. It's been a fun day, everybody. Sad that we uh, didn't have Janine and Rick with us. Uh yeah. I guess uh here's my final meme. Blockchains are fucking stupid. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Adios.
2: Bye.